Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to Talking Trading. It's Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. Our special guest today is George Rolston of AG Venture Capital and Public Markets. George was first introduced to the markets as a five-year-old, playing share trading competitions with his brother. He's been in the markets professionally for over 15 years and he's studied under two of the great stock market wizards, Mark D. Cook, who we previously had on Talking Trading, and Mark Minervini. In today's interview with George, we discuss what he learned from each stock market wizard. We talk about his trading methods, the importance of price action, and when to be invested in cash. But first, what does your success map look like for you? And can you treat trading as a hobby? Louise Bedford and Chris Tate address both these questions in Mind Power and A Little Trading. I've just got back from having a cup of tea with my niece and she ended up in tears. She was telling me how hard it is to be a teenager these days because everybody's comparing with the other people in her peer group and she just feels like she needs to be airbrushed gorgeous at all times. Now, before you write off this very human emotion, it got me thinking, I think we need to look at to see where we are comparing ourselves negatively with other people because that can have a direct impact on you as a trader. So firstly, should we compare ourselves with other people? Hell yes. It is a part of growth. It's a part of looking forward. It's a part of revealing your true potential because sometimes we need to look outside ourselves to be inspired. But I want you to compare yourself to other traders in a healthy way. So here are some things that you shouldn't do. Firstly, don't compare yourself in terms of popularity. Sometimes the people with the majority of friends around them that are all sycophantically saying, oh yes, we went out here, we did that, they are not actually experiencing depth of friendship. And depth of friendship is what really can keep you sane. Specifically when a trade goes wrong, you need other traders around you to help you through. The other thing that I feel people compare themselves on negatively is external things like the car, the house, the wife, the the husband, where the kids go to school. All of those external things, that actually can be incredibly temporary. If you're looking to your peer group and you're seeing that you're not achieving as much as they are, you're going about it with the wrong end in mind here. You need to work out what is your success 
map. How do you feel success will look for you? You don't want it to be on the basis of somebody else's external materialistic goods. It's what you think of as success that is the important thing. So what should we compare ourselves to others on? What is a healthy thing to compare on? Firstly, I compare myself with others, not only in my peer group, but in the, in the world at large, with vision and techniques. I love listening to big thinkers. I love reading autobiographies. I love surrounding myself with people with a very clear vision. I feel there's a, an osmosis effect where it can actually pay off and, and rub in what is required to be successful into my own psyche. Techniques are another one. For the markets, there are some things that work and some things that just don't. So to compare my activity and my level of, of technical analysis with another trader, that is very good comparison because you can shortcut your process by a decade or more if you listen to people who have already worked out how to do this damn thing. Trading alone is a very painstaking process and it's very hit and miss by finding people who have already got the rungs on the board comparing your techniques with their techniques you'll get a lot further a lot more quickly and the other thing that I look for in terms of looking outward is inspiration. If you see greatness and you're inspired, it can infiltrate through into your mirror neurons in your brain and you can actually start emulating that type of level of inspiration. I think for me, the formula says look, admire and then emulate and if you are emulating the majority of the people around you in the civilian world out there, you're not going to get very far because they're doing exactly the opposite of what should be done in order to achieve success. So find people with a bigger vision than you, with superior techniques in trading than you, and people that you can look to for inspiration and compare your activities and your mindset with them on those realms. And once you do, you'll be one step closer to living the trader's life. Chris Tate in a little trading. Can you treat trading like a hobby or do you need to dive in from the beginning? Have you ever met a neurosurgeon that you would trust to operate on your head that treated neurosurgery as a hobby? <laughs> I'm guessing the answer is no. The same is true with trading. You, you can treat it as a hobby. You can treat it as the same as going fishing twice a year with your mates or occasionally going to the gym or occasionally playing around a golf. But it becomes a freaking expensive hobby. Let me know how that works out. I, I actually think that money is not everything. It's the only thing when it comes to trading. And if you want to be, let's be blunt, and piss it all up against the wall by being a dick, you can do that. That's your right. The market will allow you to approach trading in any way, shape, or form that you want. It has no rules with regard to that. If you want to do that, you're, it's perfectly acceptable. But you must accept the consequences of that. And I, I've never regarded it as a hobby. It's a business.
Hey, it's Chris Helder here, author of Cut the Noise. I just want to say talking trading is awesome. Our special guest today is George Rolston of AG Venture Capital and Public Markets. George sits on a dozen private company boards and has co-founded four of AG Venture Capital businesses, including Subi. We welcome him to the show. Trader George Rolston, hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Good evening, Caroline. Good evening. George, tell us, how did you start your trading journey? Spill the beans. I, uh, I started, I guess, professionally after university at an investment bank and, and followed that at a stockbroking firm and, and from 2009 ventured out and um, have really traded for myself or, or for a couple of, of private equity groups. Um, so, yes, I've been, I guess, in the market professionally for about 15 years now and, and nine by myself. And you're a young man. You're much younger than I anticipated. How old are you? I'm 35, old enough, I think, at the moment. Happy with that. <laughs> You've studied with stock market wizards Mark D. Cook and Mark Minervini, and we've actually had Mark D. Cook on the show, and I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on him. What was your experience with them, and what did you learn from each guy? Both were, were very different. Mark Cook, um, I sort of had, I guess, more, more solo training with him, and he was a... Uh, as a very short-term trader, he's a day trader of the, the e-mini and the bond market. We sort of went over, and I guess the main thing I, I learned from him was was really his discipline and, and how to utilise a trading edge um, because it was in such short time frames that, you know, he, he was turning over his edge multiple times a day. Um, Mark Minervini, who, who I probably trade a lot more, a similar style, uh, he, again, just, just discipline. And actually probably got some users, I use his setups uh, more than I would say Mark Cook's purely just because of the time frame I'm trading and just really how humble they are there. You know, they're both amazing people. They're both kind enough to, to give um, time and, and energy and also to share, you know, what, what it probably cost them millions of dollars to learn. So it was a, a great experience with both of them and, um, yeah, I'm very appreciative for it. There's something that stands out in my memory as you talk about Mark D. Cook in the interview that we did together, which again was very late at night. He was saying that he was, from memory, religious, disciplined and impeccable about his trade management. <laughs> Probably three great words to, to summarise him, I would have thought. And did you trade in the barn? Yeah, yeah. He had sort of, I guess, retrofitted a, uh, a part of his house and, and barn and he had an amazing tractor collection. I remember we probably spent half the time looking at his tractors, but um, it was uh, it was an interesting part of the country too in Ohio. So it was uh, certainly worth going over. And, and I guess he, he sort of put me a, a lot onto a trading plan, which I thought I had before I went and saw his and, and then realised that is what the professionals are doing. And, and it was more just getting your mind right and getting the mindset for the day ready and, and being mentally trained and, and just positive um, rather than just going in and looking at a few charts and, you know, and thinking you're, you're ready for the day because you're just not. So that was, that was probably the, the best thing I picked up from, uh, from Mark Cook, I think. And what was the best thing from Mark Minervini? Oh, Mark, Mark it, was, it was the actual setups, the, the structure of them. I've adapted them 
to the Australian market because there are some some differences in well liquidity for one that's that's a huge difference but also just the number of of leading names we have here versus there so there was actually a, a structural component that I that I took from from Mark Minervini so both obviously top of their game and and you know really good both really great humans really pardon my ignorance here is Minervini a trend follower I, I, I hate getting in the semantics of what type of trader people are. I don't even know what I am, to be honest. But I, I would probably think he would call himself a, a position trader. Um, but he's certainly going with uptrending stocks, yes. Keep those secrets heavily guarded. But in the meantime, tell us about your trading methods, George. Well, my method is, is pretty simple, really. I, I trade the best names and that took me a long time to figure out how to do and I guess I was prejudiced with thinking I knew something about the market through my, my fundamental education and what we look for is what could be the best name and how to know when there is a leading name and then how to get into it and so I went back through every year of data I could get um, the US was was a fair bit easier to get that data and and literally printed out the the best 30 names of the year and then look for commonalities in them both fundamentally both technically cyclically and after a while you know I sort of found repetitive patterns and it it dawned on me that by knowing this it doesn't mean you're going to be in them but why don't I restrict my trading to only the names that have those characteristics and you're not necessarily going to know the day you buy that it is going to be that but the feedback comes pretty quickly and it also does allow for a little bit of hindsight trading and in the fact that you might see a name and it has those characteristics and then you just have to stalk it and wait for a, a time to get in because the good names don't move for, for two or three weeks. They'll move for months. They'll move eight months plus. So I just want to try and be in there for a part of that. If I can get in for a big part, that's great. But often, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to get a, a bit of the meat out of it. And in Australia, there, there are less stocks that, fit those characteristics and have that institutional support so your universe is is quite narrow and and i actually find that a huge advantage because you can tell quite quite easily what stocks are being accumulated by funds and so we just try and shrink 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 our universe as small as we can know everything we can about those stocks and we're either adding or they're doing something that that means that they're off our our leaders list Okay, so let's talk about your biggest trading errors. And I have to preface this by saying every market wizard, and I've interviewed a lot, love talking about this question. And I remember Mark Cook saying this, that traders find it so much easier to talk about their losses. Yeah, well, you know, I've had a few few decent losses in my time. And, and I guess the, the more you go on, the more comfortable you get with losing and it's because you know how to do it properly and, and you don't let the losses get out of hand. And, and one of um, Mark Benavini's great great quotes or um, adages is, is, you know, no forced trades, no big losses. And once you understand the mathematical component of your trading, it's it, you just you don't let losses get out of hand. I mean, the average gain needs to be twice the average loss and you win loss, you won over 50. And and so I look at it as a scorebook. I, I, I know if I can keep my average loss to to four, five, six percent, I can find stocks that can go up 10, 11, 12 percent, and then it's just turning over the account. So, I mean, you know, big losses that I've had, I 
when I was young, actually managed to, to run a stock from about 20000 to to half a million, and I still hold it now, and I think it's worth about $700. So that was um, that was quite a big error. Uh, and, and that was one of the, the, I guess, mistakes that I learned, and it was following someone I thought was a lot smarter than me. And, well, he probably is a lot smarter than me, but I, I believed in the story, not what the price was doing. And, you know, I was sort of counting the how much money I was going to make if his projections were right and, and you know, you held it all the way down and I sort of said after that, I probably was about 25 at the time, I said, well, I'm not doing that again. Yeah, I mean, I could bore you for hours about about how many times <laughs> I've, I've messed up in the stock market. How old were you when you went over to Mark D. Cook and Mark Minervini? It was at least five, six years ago, I think, so probably late 20s. Yep. Let's talk about psychological obstacles that you might encounter. What do you need to look out for personally when you're trading? What do you get knocked around by? Um, well, I guess for me, it's I've got sort of other interests at the moment, one of them being building this new product, but we've got a venture capital firm, so I, I do get pulled out of the office, and that can be you know, quite detrimental now, but it's I choose to do it, so I can't whinge about that. But the, I guess the big thing for, for traders listening is, is don't look at your, your P&L, um, you know, you, you you need to look at it, but if you're looking at it while the market's live, it just creates a whole bunch of of you know hope or greed or fear, or all the all the bad sort of emotions that you you want to take out of your trading. And so I think that's a big one. And and at one stage, I actually just had to separate accounts, so I would have accounts that the P and L wouldn't be on the screen because you know if you're sitting on a good gain or if you had a loss and something came back into a gain, you'd think, oh, this will get it back to, to even. And, and I'm training one guy at the moment, and he did it the other day, and I sort of talked through and through it with him. And that's a big one because you, you're not trading what you're seeing. You're trading what you're feeling, and that that is not a good way to trade. Um, you know, the other one, which probably comes back to the how I managed to, to lose money on a position that, you know, had gone up uh, so many times was – is not not believing the story the the price will always be right and yes. you can you can give things more wiggle room certainly if you you know you like the management you understand the story but at some point most stocks will correct and a lot of the leading names will actually correct up to 80% before they reform a, a new stage one base so if you don't want to sit through that there is a time to sell um, and you know not just because someone's on TV or just because, you know, they, they write a, a newsletter or they're a, a big fund manager, it doesn't mean they know everything. So, you know, tr- you've got to trust yourself. You've got to learn the right system first, but you've got to, you've got to trust your own judgment a bit. And that hopefully is, is predicated by having a, a trading plan. Let's talk about cash and when to know whether you should be fully invested in the markets or to be in cash. What are your thoughts uh, well, we, we have a, a system which requires distribution days in the index there. Pretty simple to understand. It's it's a, a higher than the, the preceding day of volume and the, the market needs to be down 0.2%. There are a few little intricacies about it, but you don't really want to see six of them in a 20-day look-back window. So when you do, the market's heavy, and then I refer to our leaders list, which, as we mentioned before, is the top names. If they're all breaking down, or you've had a lot of breakout failures, that's that's saying to me, get off margin at least, reduce your size. If I'm starting to see base failures, I'm basically out of the market. 
Um, so that combined with distribution is it's a telltale sign, and and you saw that sort of before that high, and that that's why we got out. You're having distribution in the index. You had a extended move. Um, and, and a lot of names were actually looking a lot worse than what the index was suggesting. So it was just showing that there was money rotating out. Uh, and so that's a good way to, to lighten up or, or at least try and reduce some risk. And next week, stay tuned for the second part of George's interview where we talk more trading with him. I'm Caroline Stephen. See you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.